Welcome to Sex Ed with DB. I'm your host, Danielle Bezalow. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the podcast. If you love and support the work that we do, join my crew on Patreon to win amazing prizes like our adorable merch, exclusive behind the scenes content, private sessions with yours truly, and incredible sex toys. Go to patreon.com slash sexedwithdb to join my crew. Get discounts at all of my favorite brands at sexedwithdb.com. And follow us on Instagram at sexedwithdbpodcast and on TikTok at sexedwithdb. If you want to partner with us, email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. Five reasons you will masturbate more with Freya. Number one, masturbation increases the release of endorphins, which decreases stress, tension, and depression. Number two, masturbation can help you sleep better. Number three, masturbating can help strengthen and tone your pelvic floor. Number four, masturbation can lessen period cramps. Number five, masturbation can empower you to know your body better and know what feels good. Freya is the innovative premium razor and vibrator in one that gives you an amazing shave and the best clitoral workout ever. Use code SEXEDWITHDB to get 20% off your Freya. And for a limited time, you can enter to buy one Freya and get one for your bestie for free. Enter to win at highfreya.com slash sexheadwithdb now. In a world that constantly encourages you to change, it's bold to just be yourself. Sexual expression and satisfaction are different for everybody, so rather than conforming to others, focus on falling in love with who you are. Lion's Den sources the very best products to help you find what you like and help you feel confident expressing your sexual desires. You can get 15% off in-store and online using code SEXEDWITHDB at lionsden.com to begin exploring everything about yourself. Follow them on social at lionsdenadult on Instagram and TikTok. Want to win your very own Magic Wand Mini? If so, keep on listening. Ooh, it's kind of fun to have your attention. Okay, but let's get into it. Magic Wand, aka the best-selling wand vibrator of all time, has partnered with Sex Ed with DB to give some magic wands away to some lucky winners. How can you participate and enter to win? We want to hear your best magic wand story. Maybe something funny or silly comes to mind. Maybe the magic wand unlocked a world of pleasure for you like it did for me. Whatever it is, we want to hear your story. Go to sexedwithdb.com slash magic wand to learn more and see how you could win your very own magic wand mini. Let's talk about lube and condoms. Something important to know is that oil-based lube is not to be used with condoms because the oil can cause the condom to break or tear, which would defeat the purpose of using it. Thank goodness for UberLube. UberLube is latex compatible, so it's safe and effective to use with condoms. But wait, there's more. Dispensing two drops of UberLube inside a condom and a measured pump outside will increase pleasure. What are you waiting for? Use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at uberlube.com. When it comes to sex, most of us have never had access to proper education, especially when it comes to the butt. This means both beginners and experienced players have had to turn to porn, friends, or Reddit to figure out how to properly prepare, play, and care for our butts. This doesn't sound safe now, does it? That's where Future Method comes in. Future Method was founded by a doctor to help people have informed, healthy, amazing sex. Because we should feel good in our skin and when we're playing with our partners. If you want to learn more about how to bottom safely, go to futuremethod.com and use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off their amazing products. Good morning, Gina and Faye. How are we doing this morning? (laughs) Good morning. We're happy to be here. You know, as I mentioned offline, I'm an avid user of your app, so I'm really excited personally, professionally to ask all the questions to really get into your stories and hear more about Dipsy. Why don't y'all introduce yourselves and just tell me about your work and about your app? For sure. Well, first of all, we joked about this offline, but we were like, you're a listener weekly. Like you're one of our favorites. Not that we should have favorites, (laughs) but we got to say. So I'm Gina and I founded Dipsy with Faye. And we've been doing this for five years now, which is just really hitting me how really we've been applying ourselves to this problem and this, this, uh, this need for a really long time. I think it's like five so, years this month almost. Yeah. Yeah. Oh we're like gosh, about to hit our anniversary. anniversary. 
Yeah, thank yeah, you. thank you. <laughs> this is the most important relationship in our lives. Don't tell our partners. <laughs> <laughs> it is, um, is more time than our partners some weeks. So it's maybe the most important, depending on the day. Absolutely. <laughs> Your absolutely. secret is safe with me. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Good, good. I'm glad. So like I said, I'm Gina. I'm one of the co-founders of Dipsy, um, chief creative officer. So I spent a lot of time thinking about the content side of the business. So Faye and I are kind of the yin and yang and the two parts of what Dipsy is, which is both a tech startup and also a content studio. We produce really high quality, really immersive, really beautiful, we think, audio erotica and a host of other types of content like sleep content and wellness content. And we think that we're kind of playing at this interesting intersection where storytelling meets sexual wellness. And we think storytelling is such a powerful tool for sexual wellness. So we're still loving playing in this space. There's just such deep water to swim in here. No pun intended, I guess, with Dipsy and how it's. <laughs> totally, I think well, I've, yeah. I've read an article about like the founding of of that word, and I'll let y'all get into that. But no pun intended for now, listener. For sure, Go for ahead, sure. Faye. Did you have anything? To <laughs> the add? puns are too easy. If you get us going on the puns, with Dipsy, yeah. it's like a hot startup. You know, like it's too oh, many. Of course. It gets a of little cheesy quickly. Um, I'm Faye, uh, co-founder and CEO of Dipsy. Uh, like Gina said, we are kind of sitting on like two different parts of the business, but they obviously work really closely together to like make all this magic happen. Um, so I focus a lot more on product side. So like the app, how do you find the stories you want? How do we know what to recommend to who, when, and kind of like all the analytics and data that go into those decisions. Uh, we've partnered really closely with the content team to figure out at a total perspective and quantitative perspective, like what should we make? Amazing, because a lot of my questions are both about content and data today. So I'm really <laughs> glad we have the co-founders, the the people in charge uh, who know everything about that. But, you know, I'm curious about your, your all's origin story, you know, separately and together, you know, like, how did you find each other? How did Dipsy even come to be? So we were friends before we were co-founders, but we actually didn't know each other that, that, that well. So it's pretty amazing that we've had such a good run of it and only gotten grown closer over time. I think, you know, getting into bed, oh my God, the metaphors, Jesus Christ. Uh, Getting into (laughs) bed with a co-founder is a big deal. And I think it's really hard to know like what you're getting into. And Faye and I were lucky that we really have such different brains, but we work together so well. And we had the vetting of a mutual friend who we both love so much. And she was at that kitchen table where we were having those late night conversations about this idea. And um, so we were introduced by a friend and it really was born on, is it 38 Castro? Is that right, Faye? 38 Castro. 38 Sanchez. 38 Sanchez. Okay. 38 Sanchez um, was the street, like kind of like the, the hub of the idea when we were at this friend's house and um, we're talking a lot about how, when you ask a friend, what's your favorite vibrator, they probably have a quick answer. At least they can be like, oh, I can probably figure that out for you. Like I've talked to someone about this, but you ask someone, do you have erotica that you love? Do you have a website that you love for inspo? Do you have a favorite Tumblr page? And people are like, I I think I've kind of seen something that I've liked, but I forget where it went. Or I have this one chapter in this one book and that's the only thing that's really worked for me. So I still have it at my nightstand and I have since 12th grade. That's like a real answer. We heard from a friend, like the options were pretty grim. And we just thought it was so interesting that our friends of, you know, we lived in San Francisco. It's like a pretty progressive group of people. People are like intrepid and curious and they're not finding anything or they're too afraid to find anything. And that just felt like such a miss. And so we were like, interesting. There's so much that could just be done here to make it seem less scary. So you mentioned the origin story of the name, a dip in the sea was this idea that like you can dip your toe and it's just like, it's approachable. It's not scary. Like try it out. Because I think there's a huge hurdle for people. It's like, do I want an app on my phone that's filled with erotica? Do I pay for an app on my phone that's filled with erotica? Like these are actually bigger hurdles than I think people now, five years later, even realize we were playing with in the beginning. And we were really inspired by apps like Headspace and Calm that were creating content that made your day better, not just those 15 minutes that you were listening. And we felt pretty convinced that we could make people feel sexier in their life, you know, like walk out onto a date and feel hotter or like want to initiate or engage with a partner bigger effects than just like having a really fun 15 minutes, which Dipsy definitely is too. Yeah. Any, yeah, any I think additions, that, <laughs> I will. I'll jump in. Um, I think that we were both so inspired by like, where's the content out there for me? And when you're building a product like this, you have to sort of like understand like all those things that Gina is talking about. We felt it anecdotally amongst our friends, but ultimately like for the very, very first iterations, it had to be like, what's the thing that I would work for me that I want to listen to. And then now we're five years on the line. We have some kinds of like users and subscribers similar to us. It's like different questions they're answering. But the very first question was kind of like that one. And I think that Gina and I immediately texted on like, well, let's make something that like we both would listen to that would work for us. Um, that yeah. would be hot, you know, that would solve would solve the problem. 
but then I think also like my background's really in finance. Uh, that's how I started my career in data analysis, software engineering. And I also wanted to like see the numbers. And so I did a lot of research before we even started around like, what's the, you know, size of the romance industry? Like romance is mm. by far the highest selling genre of literature. It's not like just a little thing. It's bigger than like sci-fi and fantasy added together. Like it's, it is like why bookstores are open. All the top readers on Amazon are, are romance readers. So there was like clear market sort of need validation there. And then the explosion of audio was so clear. Um, and that people were now walking around with like high quality, you know, headphones in their ears and what that meant for people's like consumption going forward. Like now, obviously so much of what people consume is audio. That was like way less true five years ago. And it was right. still like really burgeoning then. And so seeing the like market validation on this like romance and like this audio explosion, it felt like also kind of like the market was ready in a way that's maybe more like informational than intuitive. Both those things had to come together to make it work for both of us. Totally. Which I think is yeah. a great expression of us too. Sorry to interrupt you, Daniel. I think no, no, it's like a great expression it. of us too. I was like, I have this intuition that this is needed. Like, I feel like we should do this. And Faye's like, and the numbers point to the fact that we should. And like, that was the beginning. <laughs> You're like, no, no, I just need the feeling to just really go for <laughs> it. Faye's like, let's just plow ahead. Put pen to paper feeling. here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, and that's, it's those like two pieces that help you like take the first step, you know, take the first leap, but also what allows us to like build dipsy to what it is today both those things are such a big part of our vision and our product and our choices every single day. Completely. Yeah. I have, I have just two quick thoughts. Like one in terms of your, I think we're on a very similar trajectory in that I started this podcast five and a half years ago. And at the time it wasn't really a thing, right? Like there was like sex with Emily, like guys we fucked. There were like a couple of, you know, episodes about sex or podcasts specifically about sex, but I wasn't really finding that it was as popular as it is, of course, now where everyone and their mother has a podcast. And so I I totally relate to the idea of being like, okay, like I feel like this is going to be a thing eventually. I'm just going to kind of go for it now and see how it goes. And then secondly, I just interviewed a romance novelist, Helen Huang, Mm -hmm. who wrote um, The Kiss Quotient, which is a very popular... Yeah, yeah, she wrote like a trilogy, including that book. And we no, talked awesome. all about, she was the first uh, romance novelist that we've had on the podcast. And that episode will have aired by the time this episode comes out. So I hope, listener, that you are uh, enjoying all of this content around uh, erotica <laughs> and romance novels. But something that we talked about that I found so interesting was like, nowadays, women and queer people specifically, who I believe, and Faye, you're the numbers person, so you tell me, are (laughs) the people who are mostly reading um, and consuming this content. They are less shy about taking these physical books out in public and just like reading Mm. erotica on the bus and reading it, you know, outside of their beds, outside of their homes. Like I feel, you know, Fifty Shades, we can get into all the bads and goods about that. But I feel like that was like a a real shift around like the way in which people feel comfortable reading erotica in public. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. And we definitely saw those same patterns. And I think totally Fifty Shades is is its own conversation, literally. Like it could be an entire podcast episode about like the- Could be a whole season, really. (laughs) Totally. But even like the fact that those covers were designed in such a way that they weren't like a man with long hair and a horse, or like in that case, I guess like a man in a tie standing in a threshold. What's going on? They're all horsemen. There's a lot of horsemen. Uh, It's interesting. Take that offline, Faye. It's brainstorm territory. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a whole whole series could be spun off on that exact concept. Bring it straight to the editorial team. (laughs) But I think that even the way those covers were designed was actually like pretty innovative and that it was a simple silver black tie or a simple like silver tie on the cover, which was just a little bit of a design shift that created some shift as well. And I think that that did matter to Dipsy too, especially in early days where we're like, we're going to make this app beautiful. We're going to make this app something that you want to like show your friends and scroll down and be like, look how cool this is. Instead of something that reinforced the idea that this is like something that should be hidden. Often people will ask us or whatever. Totally. Yeah, like guilty pleasure content. Like, why guilty? Like, what about like privacy features? Like, can I like swipe quick to make sure my kids don't see me listen or something? And we're like, we understand those use cases. It's not that they don't make sense to us. We also don't want to reinforce the idea that you need to hide this. And so Mm. we've like pretty intentionally made choices that are like, hey, like it actually matters more to us that people feel like this is something that should be celebrated and like should be a part of their life that they celebrate. Because we think Fifty Shades set the earliest path for people to be like, yeah, I'm going to read this on the bus. Just cool. Totally. Yeah. And yeah, I just yeah. feel like both like on the you know consumer product side, people are making these things that are like beautiful that you want to like put on your bedstand if it's like a 
physical toy or a book cover you want to show, but also like that's just responding to, I think, to a cultural shift that's happening. Um, that there's this like movement, especially among like women and queer people to like make sex less of this like guilty hidden. It's not a vice, right? It's not a vice thing to celebrate, thing to enjoy. And that affects like, you know, those two things are happening like in conjunction with each other, but it's kind of being driven by this cultural shift. Um, and we're like, obviously, hopefully part of that, pushing that forward, part of that vice that guys also responding to. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, we're going to pause on that because I want to get into the data when we have the data question, but I just have so many questions and like thoughts on, yeah, like I'm really curious about like what you're, what you're finding, like people are enjoying, but we'll get into it. I really want to know like what makes you both like passionate about this work? Like what exactly is your story or your aha moment or your multiple aha moments that kind of led you to be so inclined to do this work? Yeah, it's a really good question. We probably, I would probably answer this question differently on different days, depending on what challenge we're hitting. I think like once you like have something that you're fighting, you're like, this is my fight. And we've had so many of those. Any company in sexual wellness has had so many of those. And so I think there's just a lot of realization once we actually started doing this versus talking about this, that this is really hard work. Like we are absolutely at the vanguard of this work and it hadn't been done before. The rules hadn't been written before. There was no one to look at and be like, oh, we can just copy what they did. That seems reasonable, which is a totally reasonable thing that happens in tech all the time, by the way. Like that's not like plagiarism. That's like how tech evolves. And there was no one doing it before us. We were the company doing that. And so okay, that's like a pretty high burden to get the quality right, a pretty high burden to make content that people love, no real ideas about what's going to work and not work. How we even tag things to make things inclusive was like a really interesting question for us. Like we actually landed on like pronoun usage to say like her plus her is a story, but like those are all very intentional decisions that we made slowly over time Mm -hmm. because no one else could tell us what to do. So I think there's like those set of challenges, which are really fun and inspiring to be like, how can we make this better? than what people are coming to us with. Like people are coming to us with maybe having read some things, having watched some porn, having, I don't know, dabbled around. Everyone's had a different experience, but they're coming to us with some expectations. How do we take those expectations, give them back something that makes sense to them and also like is better? <laughs> and what does that look like? So that's like one set of challenges. I think both of us, I'll speak for you too, because we're in each other's <laughs> brains. I think both of us are like really excited about those kinds of problems. And like feel very responsible to do that well. We're not going to do it perfectly every time. We certainly don't, but we really care about doing it well. And then also there's just all the institutional barriers. Like what does it mean to get venture funding in this space? Like what does it mean to deal with misogyny in this space? What does it mean to work with a bank in this space? What does it mean to be able to advertise, to be able to be promoted by the app store? Like these things that are really important things that buoy other businesses aren't always obvious or easy to access for us. So it's a lot of extra work getting in front of a, you know, policy team, wearing your matching turtlenecks, like, hey, you can trust us. We're good actors and not bad actors and your policy nets are catching us. And we want to help you understand why that's bad and why that actually really doesn't serve queer people, non-binary people, women, like this whole bucket of people that like really deserve more empowerment versus less. You're actually not serving them by making those choices. How can we convince you that we're actually a horse that you want to put in the race to make that better. Like that's work that it's just like, we leave with those turtleneck meetings. We're like, hell yeah. Like we just changed something. We just met with Google to change something, Um, Mm. which is, you know, some of the moments that I think Faye and I look back at and we're like, wow, we we get to do this as our jobs. It's pretty cool. I know it's pretty sick. There is something so special about like the individual user testimonials around like this changed my relationship. This changed my night that's changed my life like if the whole spectrum of responses and content we make people who are just like this is helping me explore something like i never thought i could it's helping me work through trauma it's supporting our relationship it's supporting me after my relationship ended like there's just so many new testimonials that like truly on bad days she and i like just go to the app store like just read the reviews like that yeah. is like that itself is enough i think that aha moments by the you know thousands to keep us going um when there's when there's tougher days but I think also there's this sense that what we're doing is like good. Like we're making people feel good. We're doing a way that's like, you know, treating people with respect to her making the content, making content we think is like, you know, inspirational and important and sets the kind of standards we want for sex and pleasure. And that not only are we like doing that for ourselves and our company, but like we're breaking down barriers for like other people to enter the space and that we're going to open the door for like so many other innovative people who will do things that we didn't think of and do things that we can't do. I love the idea of like setting new standards, right? Because like as a sex educator, 
I try to teach a lot, you know, in an age-appropriate way, a lot of the kinds of things that you all include in your content to youth and talk about, you know, okay, what's it like to talk about condom negotiation or make condoms just like a normal part of the hookup? Like that in and of itself is revolutionary to hear as a user and a sex educator to be like, wow, like not only is this just like part of it, but it is hot and fun and like yep. is normalized, like like just the condom use part, right? And then there's all the other parts of it, the queer inclusiveness, the, you know, different bodies in your images. There's so much uniqueness and innovation in your stories. And so I think like this idea of pushing other folks in the porn industry, in the sexual health industry to meet you where you're setting the bar is really, really powerful and awesome. That's so well said. It's true. It's like proving that you can make content that's successful and also always by default includes consent and always by default thinks about what safe sex looks like. Physical safety, like like. like psychological safety. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, you know, to go back to what Faye said about what people say, I think another thing that's really like motivating about doing this work is that you talk to very different types of people leading very different types of lives and they all feel an impact. It's their own flavor of impact. But we did this amazing set of user conversations. I talked to a 19-year-old Pratt student, so someone who's like in Brooklyn, living on camp near campus, whatever, and was really scared about the dating scene post-COVID. Like I how do I do this? How do I navigate this? Like how do I date in person? It just all felt really hard. And Dipsy was this amazing resource to be like, oh, it can sound like that. Like a first day could sound like that and sex could sound like that and was really motivating for them to like get back out there, to get out there versus, you know, someone in their mid thirties who lives in, I don't know, Colorado or Utah or somewhere like that. And has been with their partner for a long time. And is like, I love my partner so much. We have a great life together. We have a great sex life together. And also I have fantasies that I can't explore with that partner and maybe I don't want to explore with the partner. And I get to have this other rich life yes. in this app and I get to have both. And like, that is just that's, so cool. That's you know, ding, like, ding, you ding. I, I totally yeah. relate to that. Yeah, <laughs> yes, and, exactly. And it's not, yeah, I'm sure there are hundreds and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people who like have this exact experience. And one other thought that just came to mind before we, I'm sure the listeners are like, okay, but what are, what's actually the content? <laughs> like, I want to know what is going on. <laughs> okay, we can, so we'll we get there. That. Don't worry. We'll get there. Um, but I just want to say, you know, this idea of us who are sexual beings who choose to have sex with ourselves and others, we follow certain scripts, right? That we see in movies and books and with, you know, what we talk about with friends. And, you know, that that is why, you know, there's this idea of cis women faking orgasms, right? Because we've seen this played out dozens of times in popular movies, in popular shows. And so we mimic those things that we see. And so if these scripts literally, because people are writing them, right, but figuratively are different from Dipsy as different ways that we as the user and listener can hear that, understand it, and, you know, whether it's conscious or not, mimic it, right, our sex like inherently becomes different and changed, which is fascinating to me. Totally. We talk so much about how like the power of narrative for education, like we have content in the app that's more like how to X, Y, Z, but I think you also learn so much about just like hearing a really sexy exchange about open relationship or hearing a sexy exchange about condom usage. And it feels like that's such a powerful intuitive way to learn these like tricky concepts to handle like academically that can be like really quickly grasped by someone when they're modeling the behavior and experiencing it. And like, that's, I think what the most exciting thing for us is we hope people go out there and like, you know, have better fantasies or have better sex or whatever it is. There's actually like a real world application for this, you know, sexual standard that we're hopefully like setting and inspiring in our app. Excitement, intimacy, anticipation, contentment. Uberlube lets you feel all the things you want to feel when it comes to sex with yourself and with a partner. It makes sex better for everyone by reducing friction and increasing pleasure. Recommended by leading doctors, Uberlube is body friendly, free of parabens, preservatives, and petrochemicals. Plus, Uberlube is latex compatible, so it's safe, effective, and pleasurable to use with condoms. Try Uberlube now with code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at uberlube.com. Let me tell you about one of my favorite sex toy shops out there, Lion's Den. If you haven't heard about Lion's Den before, I can't wait to tell you all about them. Lion's Den first opened its retail facility in Columbus, Ohio in 1971. 
That's right, over 50 years ago. Since then, they have grown to more than 50 outlets throughout the U.S., building its reputation on high-quality products, low prices, and a knowledgeable sales staff. Their staff are also sexual wellness experts who can help you find the perfect toy. One of the many things I love about Lion's Den is that they advocate for a sex-positive perspective on intimacy and sexual well-being and strive to break the stereotypes and stigma surrounding sex by providing comprehensive educational resources to empower everyone to enjoy life to the fullest. They're simply amazing. Lucky for you, Lion's Den is giving my listeners an exclusive discount of 15% off your purchase in-store and online with code sexedwithdb at lionsden.com. What are you waiting for? Get your amazing Lion's Den toy now. Understanding how to love ourselves and our bodies can take practice, time, and energy. Freya believes that it's really important to invest in loving the body you're in, and pleasure plays a huge part in that. I know it does for me. When I'm able to access my pleasure, I'm able to feel and see my body in a whole new way. My pleasure empowers me. That's why I love Freya. It's more than a razor and a vibe. It's a movement to practice loving ourselves with intention. For those who haven't tried a vibrator, this is a great first-timer product to venture into and explore your own pleasure. Learn more about Freya and their self-love movement at highfreya.com slash sexedwithdb. When it comes to anal sex, what comes to mind? If you're a beginner like so many of us out there, maybe you feel scared, unsure, or just plain uneducated. Future Method can help with that. Founded by a doctor and anal sex expert, Future Method develops science-backed products and non-judgmental doctor-led education to maximize pleasure, eliminate injury, and empower the way people choose to play in the bedroom. They even have a blog started by the gay community and now for everyone that puts education at the forefront on topics both popular and taboo. Use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at futuremethod.com. Finally, we can travel again. If you're like me, I bet you want a little pleasure while you're away, but can't fit your entire sex toy collection in your carry-on, huh? Say hello to the Magic Wand Mini. Born into such a famous family, this little wand has quite a reputation to uphold. Challenge accepted. Offering big power, multiple speeds, and unsurpassed quality, the full-featured Magic Wand Mini is more than simply a smaller sibling. It's here to create a legacy all its own. Want to win a Magic Wand Mini for your next trip or staycation? Go to sexedwithdb.com slash magicwand to learn more. Let's get into the freaking content because, you know, Dipsy, as I mentioned many times, I love this app. I'm an avid user. I've been a user for a long time. This might sound like annoying listener, but as a sex educator and someone with my own brand doing this full time, I get a lot of toys and items and stuff for free, right? People just send you stuff because they want you to review it. Dipsy is one of the few things that I pay for out of my own pocket that like I actively am like, I don't, you know, this is just something that I'm going to, you know, it's not not like a free month at least. I mean, geez, you know, I got it. I can (laughs) afford it, but I'm just saying like, that's how you know when you're like, okay, you know, I'm used to, you know, being lucky in this regard of, okay, if I'm getting like, a cold sore outbreak or something like that. I've partnered with a brand before that like sends me valacyclovir or whatever that I just like, there are things that I have a privilege in this platform. And I just think it's telling when I'm like, nope, this is something that I'm just going to pay for because I really want to use it. So that's number one. And number two, um, I don't even know, you know, this is just like a funny little tidbit, but I recorded for Dipsy once as a voiceover artist, even though my voice- what? Yeah, it didn't end up (laughs) making the final cut um, Mm. because I think it ended up getting changed or whatever. But what a fun, wild experience being on the other side of recording for something like that. So- Anyway, just a little, a fun tidbit, listener. You know, if you use Dipsy and you hear uh, one audio story, you will kind of hear these two different voices. And so try to imagine what it's like recording uh, one of those voices and the, you know, bravery that that person might have to have um, when they're doing creative stuff on the other end uh, in front of a group of sound booth engineers, for example. <laughs> but yeah, I, it was just an awesome experience and, and really fun to be able to be an avid user and have done that. But anyway, I would love, I love for that you to- so much. Yeah, pretty fun. But talk to me all about the app has to offer, right? Like you kind of mentioned this in the beginning, but there's so much content on there now compared to maybe like a year or two ago. 
And I'm, yep. I'm curious, you know, what is available for different areas that one might want to explore? Totally. Okay. So if you're not familiar with Dipsy, just like as a baseline overview, we offer short audio erotica and a lot of them are multi-episodic. So if you really love a character, you really love a story, you can listen to multiple, um, but they're usually around 10 to 15 minutes. So they're bite-sized, which is fun. And they're really immersive. Like you said, it sounds like people are in a room together. They're interacting in a way that feels like full of chemistry and connection. Our producers and engineers do such a good job making sure it really feels like this like little universe that you drop into, which is pretty mm-hmm. awesome. There's also content that speaks directly to you. So if you want to be, you know, in an experience with a hunk, we call them hunks, regardless of gender, like a really sexy <laughs> character. If you want to be with a hunk, you can be. So say you listen to a story and you love dynamic and you're like, this Killian guy is really doing it for okay, me. I was you can, just you know, say Killian is a good one. <laughs> people love Killian. They do. Let's right. just put it out there. Rightfully so. I can't get enough, you know. <laughs> So there's content too where you you know um, get intimate with a character themselves and talks directly to you, which is a pretty cool experience. We have some sleep content too, and I think you we mentioned this or we talked about this on, on maybe via email, but like it's really cool to have a character that you love that you get to have this narrative experience with, and then they get to talk directly to you, and then they actually like are part of sleep content. Well, so our sleep to, content to isn't. Yeah. And so like, we were like, wow, how to create the feeling of like closeness and intimacy and coziness and sleep. Well, if Killian is a guitar player, I actually don't think he is, but say he is, if he's a guitar player, what if we put content out in the universe where it sounded like Killian's in the next room, kind of like puts around on his guitar while you fall asleep. It's like so soothing and so comforting. So it's really like a full arc of like the nighttime bedtime, like moment experience. Um, we have some wellness content too, which I think is really nice support for this ecosystem, especially for people who are kind of new to this world of kind of dipping their toe again into yeah, sexual that's a wellness. Good stepping stone. That's a good, good stepping call. stone. Yep. And really helpful if you're like, Hey, I want to like up level my self-touch game. Right. So that's like some of the content that exists, but I think talking about like what kinds of audio erotica we have might be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So like, I think one thing that's been really true and like humbling about this journey is as we go from like 60 stories, which is what we launched with to 700 plus, which is what we have now. Holy guacamole. Yeah. Holy guacamole is right. Like major credit to our team. It's just been, you know, they call it the newspaper. Like we're always putting the newspaper out. We got to keep people, you know, happy, giving, getting more what they want. But people have really different preferences. And so like 700 might sound like a lot, but like, okay, you come in and you're queer. Like, okay, you just cut down. You don't want to listen to, let's say 60% of the content on the app. That's totally fine. That makes a lot of sense. So we want to make sure that that 40% that's available to you meets a pretty broad range of needs too. Maybe you like more BDSM content. Maybe you like more romantic content. So we do our best to like balance it all. So that if you come into this app, there's a high likelihood of you finding content that you like and also being able to listen to a lot of it. And so that's like really where product and content are doing really, really integrated work together to be like, hey, what should we make more of? What's working well? What we can create more of? And then also what do we not have enough of that we want to experiment with? And there are so many domains that we're excited to move into that with a small team, we just don't have the bandwidth to invest in that we're so excited to in the future. You know, we want to age up our content. We want to have content that includes more parents and that includes mm. people navigating post-divorce and going out into the dating scene again, like different life stages have different storylines. And we want to make content like that too. We're not ready for that just yet, but we want to go there. And so we also try and do a good job of saying, Hey, this content is probably going to work well for you. If you're like Gen Z, millennial, if you're female identifying, we're like kind of, this is sweet spot content. And we're really excited to expand that so that more people can be welcomed into this ecosystem, not just to like poke around and be curious, but to like really be met by the content that they find here. And so that's kind of like, talk about future of Dipsy. We want to make it all. <laughs> that's what we yeah. want to do. We want to make it all. <laughs> make more for make more people. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, yeah, I love the idea of kind of like, okay, like there's some wellness and sleep content that, you know, like all these apps like Calm and Headspace, like all of them, you know, there's a big market of people out there who are interested in apps like that. And so I really, I think it's very smart to combine them. And this idea that, you know, there's all kinds of content, whether that be just like, like you go to a movie and it's a little romantic to like BDSM, like rough and dirty and on the train, you know, which like, you know, personally (laughs) good stuff. Um, I don't, you know, I don't discriminate. I love all kinds of Dipsy content, but I, I, I love this idea of like allowing people to really be met where they're at in their journey. Because I mean, even for me as someone who is 
turning 30 in December, a lot of my friends are either like quite single, like are going on first dates or are in like eight year relationships. There's very few like in between right now. And we don't really talk about like what kind of porn that we consume. We don't really talk about like what kind of toys we're using. Again, you know, like we met at UC Berkeley, like we're Bay Area folks who are progressive and are like excited to to chat, but it's just more so that I, I don't think it's like as normalized. I think our culture is so, makes it so shameful, even for the most progressive of us who want to talk about it, to really discuss like what our preferences are. Hearing you say that actually just makes me think like, it might be normal if you were to bring it up with your friends, but it's not normalized to have that conversation. And so it's happening less than maybe all of us would like it to. Like, I, I doubt your friends would be like, whoa, I can't believe she's bringing that up, right? Like, right. I mean, knowing what I do, unlikely. yeah, they'd be like, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> they'd be like, this is like, but it's not, it's still not happening for someone like you, for someone like us. That I think speaks to the fact that there's still like a, a little bit of like a, ooh, do I want to go here? Which- right means there's less conversation happening. It means there's a lot more space for shame to proliferate. Like in silence, in that silence gap, you know, it's, that's where shame can grow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's such a good, I think I experienced, I'm sure you do too, like both those things all the time, which is that I think when I, when we started Dipsy, like we did not come from backgrounds in like sexual wellness or erotica at all. And so it was not only like a big career shift, but like a really big identity change, I think, and different conversations you were having with like our friends and our family we ever had had before. And I felt like that was a very like nerve wracking shift for me and whatever, five years ago. But that I was like surprised then and surprised now how much when I say what I do, people actually like want to talk about it. Like once you open the door to the conversation, like most people aren't like slam that shut. Like I got to go, <laughs> conversation is over. You get into everyone's in a while. Most are like, that's really interesting. Like I want to hear more about it. Like tell yeah. me how you, how you like how you know what to make. Like what's it like doing that? Like what is, what's the most interesting thing you've learned? Like people... They want to share their own experience. They're hungry for it. Exactly. And mm-hmm. so it is, I think that I'm part of like in, in our roles and our, in our careers now about being co-founders of Dipsy, I had like much more positive, normalized conversation around sex than I ever had before. Not because the world has changed, but that's probably happened too, but also because like I've opened that door a crack to people who really want to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about the differences maybe between like cis men and cis women and queer people when it comes to like the type of porn that we are consuming and like the data that show that certain populations of folks might prefer different kinds of porn, right? So, you know, I'm curious if you can share in your research and in your expertise a little bit more about, you know, first of all, what is like ethical erotica or porn and to like really define that for folks And that, you know, how is that porn different when it's geared towards women or queer folks? Like how might audio porn or audio erotica be different from visual porn? Like let's get into the the data there. Totally. I mean, let's just start off by saying in this space, in in sexuality broadly, there's shockingly limited data. Let's just like start by saying that. Like these are not funded pieces of research. These are not like priorities for big institutions. Mm-hmm. If you were to research, does masturbation actually, has it clinically been proven to affect sleep quality? Everyone that you know anecdotally would be like, hell yeah. But there actually is only one tiny study in Australia that has proven that there's any sort of link there. So I just want to start that off by saying like there is really poor data and that's part of the ecosystem of challenge here, I think, where what are you building off of? It's, it's pretty limited. So I think like when we talk about differences between men and women, between queer people and straight people, like a lot of it is what we have experienced by having a large pool of users that we get to talk to and see how mm. they interact with what we do, which is means we're building research of our own, which is really, really powerful and important. But there was early research that was guiding to us when we chose audio that showed that there were differences in preference from a narrative perspective, like how narrative is the erotica or porn that you're consuming, where people who identify as women are more likely to say, I want a story. I want to understand why they like each other. Like he's not with anyone. Is is he? Like those things matter. And that generally speaking, I think this is probably agnostic of gender, but there are there's reason to believe that this is more skewed towards women, which is that when something is made really visually explicit in front of you, there's no opportunity to reimagine yourself what might make you more comfortable in that scenario. And so it can be more of like a limiting off-putting thing versus an immersive thing. Like what's that couch? Where is this? What Airbnb in Miami are they in? Like there's all these distracting questions that Mm. again are like narrative. It's like, what's happening here? 
you know, is this pleasure real? There's just like a lot more questions that come up. So those were like early insights that we use to build what we do. But I think generally speaking, I wish there was like a, ri- a richer tapestry of research for us to be able to pull from in these conversations because it kind of sucks to be totally honest. And I think that there's yeah. a lot of backlash against like people being like, oh, are women like this and men like this? Like whether it's biological or, or acculturated, there are differences. It's pretty hard right. to know which of those are true because we are acculturated pretty differently as we all know. And it does feel like sometimes, especially in the beginning, like we read a lot of everything we could essentially about like porn and romance, these adjacent industries that we were hearing from. But a lot of it was sort of like taking these pieces together and kind of trying to like make the leap. Like I think one of the things that we kept coming back to was 2018 or whatever it is we started this uh, research, like one of the top trending terms on Pornhub was porn for women. It's like no man goes on Pornhub as if it's porn for men. So you're already getting a sense of like, you know, there's like people are going to this homepage and not seeing what they want. Like that's a, kind of like a piece of, it's like a clue, right? That maybe there's a opportunity there. It was definitely clear that romance is like, you know, 87% like women or something like that. And so there was like, okay, definitely like at least in this really narrative, sometimes erotic content, it's mostly women, but you're like building a picture out of like disparate pieces from like commercial sources and research sources and electric sources, try to figure out like what's going on. And then hopefully you can make like, you know, product that meets the need. But I think we're still learning. Like it's still an emerging area of research for, for ourselves. Like, you know, the world is changing on dress, but the spire base is changing all the time too. So it's mostly about like, you know, adapting quickly versus like knowing things as facts or things that like, things will change, you know, like what we're And who is asking to. those questions, right? Like who is asking the question, like, why are people typing into the search bar porn for women? Like there's a reason people are doing that. They're not finding what they want. And so we yeah. were like, what story is this data telling us? And is anyone else asking that question? And I think that we can presume the answer was no. <laughs> so I think, <laughs> but we did. So that's good. We but did. I think, um, like, yeah, I don't think it's out there. We'll try to make our own. Yeah. Let's talk about ethical porn in one second. But one thing that I want to say off of Faye's point of like, you know, women or people typing in porn for women, like that's no fucking surprise given that on the homepage of Pornhub, it's like stepdaughter gets come on by four guys at once. And you're like, no, that's maybe, no, thank you so much. (laughs) And like, as a, you know, person who identifies as like sexually fluid, (laughs) like I know for sure that like women on women porn, even though I may not identify as a lesbian is like very hot for many people, including myself. And like, why is that? Okay. Because it's catering towards women. It's like softer, less intense. You're not talking so much about like, you know, doing these like non-consensual acts towards women and literal violence. That's part of it. Like incest, like it it is actually traumatizing and we do not (laughs) discuss that enough. There was a documentary that recently came out by Alex Liu, a sexplanation. And he, I had him on the podcast last season and he, in the documentary, chats with a data scientist at Pornhub about their top searches. And it's very interesting and very surprised, or not that surprising, but for the average viewer would be pretty surprising. And I just think that 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 is not talked about enough, like how intense and traumatic these like most popular Pornhub videos are and the problem with that. I think there's a couple things that you just hit on that are like worth unpacking a little bit more, which is, what we do know from amazing clinicians working in sexual spaces like Dr. Emily Nagoski is that mo- most women, most people who identify as women, are experiencing a dual model of response to sexual stimuli, meaning that they have like both an accelerator and a break, and that in most people who are male, that's just an accelerator on or off. And for women, it's both. And so if you are like feeling like, hmm, like maybe I'm in the mood, I'm going to like open this up, pornhub.com, and you hit some video that like really feels triggering, that break is getting hit hard, even if your accelerator is already working. So like that already is like bummer, like you're two seconds in and your experience is already a negative one. So that's like one thing. But I think also like, you know, it's a really interesting conversation that will definitely like lead us down the conversation of what's ethical, that people have really diverse sexual interests and some right. of them might still be perceived even by us as deviant, right? Or as problematic or as, you know, including things that are really, really challenging to talk about. It's just like a lot of gray area. And so I think it's been really interesting for us to say like, well, okay, what do we, what boundaries do we draw here of what we even as a company are interested in, comfortable, believe are sex positive, and then put it in, put it in our app. And like, 
we're going to draw some boundaries there, even though that's hard. Um, and also try our best not to shame anyone or yuck anyone's yum about what they might very reasonably like and fantasize about and not act upon. Right. And so like, those are such interesting questions where we think about, talk about, it's like so philosophical, so interesting. Like, how do we do this right? There's like no way to do it right. There's ways to do it well, better than what exists. Bar's pretty low, (laughs) but (laughs) there aren't, there aren't ways to do it perfectly. And that is again, like humbling in the space of sex. This is a very, very good point. And one clarification that I want to make is that in a vacuum, those videos may not be an issue, right? The, yep. the problem is that as youth, before these people are getting to these videos, they are not learning about comprehensive sex ed. They are not learning totally. about the differences between porn as entertainment and real life sex. They are not yeah. uh, understanding if those actors, actresses, entertainers are being paid fairly. Consent is always happening behind the scenes. They are the people in charge of the sexual acts that they do, right? Like there is absolutely nothing wrong with, in fact, I encourage everyone to explore their kink, their experience that makes them feel excited, even if they feel like it might be different or unique. But where that becomes a problem is when there's no context around it and when you're not learning the other stuff. And if you're just getting that this is the most popular video for, you know, for example, a harmful X, Y, and Z video towards women or zero queer representation, what have you. And that's the only messaging that they're receiving is that, oh, well, everyone likes this. So I must like it too, or I'm getting the messaging that this is acceptable and so it's it's so complex and agreed that like everyone deserves to have their fantasy and to have that played out as long as the people involved in the creating of that were approving of everything that was going on. And it's not a vacuum, like you said, like what you're exposed to matters, like what you're exposed to, especially without like in the absence of other sexual experiences does matter. It, it shapes your experiences and your expectations around sex. And so it's none of this stuff happens in a vacuum. It's all like a really complicated conversation. Um, especially when it comes to, I think, like how erotica and how porn is become sexual education for people, which is like, obviously itself something that we're trying to think about in a very positive, positive way versus like yeah. the, the risks and the negativity of what's out there now. And how like language gets shaped, you know, every so often we see search terms on Dipsy and we're like, interesting, like that's a porn term. So like someone's coming to us with a porn term. Does that mean that their authentic desire was reflected by the porn term? That the porn term shaped what they thought maybe they should search for? Mm. Like messy, right? It's really hard to know but obviously that's shaping people's next steps. And so like, that's a perfect example of how like it's influencing. Like you can't just say you shut your laptop and it's over. It's not, it it is influencing you. Totally. Yeah. This is very good. This is a very good conversation. (laughs) I have so many more questions. Yeah. We are exceeding our usual time here because I just have so many more questions. Um, but Okay, let's let's talk about the different characters, right? Because I do think that this is something very unique and I have never personally heard of it or seen it on any other like erotica or like porn website. Maybe it's out there. Maybe you all really coined it and were the first to do it. But, you know, there are different characters that you can listen to again and again. As you mentioned, you know, with Killian, maybe it's a story of a love interest and then he's doing a calming sleep voiceover or playing an instrument in the other room. And then one where the character is speaking directly to you. One that I found really interesting is the, I can't remember his name in real life, but he was in Insecure and he did the voice for you all. What's his name in real life? Shrewness J. Jackson. Okay. So this is where this is genius is like so many people watch that show, myself included, saw visuals of him like you know this is hbo so it's kind of like the closest you can get to like having real (laughs) sex without having real sex and then he was in your app right like talking directly to you like you have a very clear idea of like this is a celebrity or like an actor that i'm really excited about and he's like speaking to me like that is amazing and genius but i'm curious like for the writing team and for the content team right like what is the process of writing these different characters and writing these different perspectives? Like what's going on behind the scenes here? Yeah. I mean, we pass off, you know, initial ideas to script, to voice actor, to person who cuts the tape, to person who sound designs it. And like every person makes their mark on this story. And there's a lot of moments to like lose the sexy and a lot of moments to increase the sexy. So we've like gotten really good at being like, okay, this is additive or this would take away from 
And a huge part of it for something like the Sharuna story, which is called Off the Record on the app, is, hey, like, if you're going to contribute and be a voice actor, we'd love for you to co-produce too. Like, tell us what you want to participate in. Tell us what you think is an interesting story to tell. What do you find erotic? And in that particular case, he was like, I'm this really tall, deep voice guy. People are like, basketball player right away, basketball player. He's like, can I be a fashion designer? Like, can we make that sexy? And we were like, hell yeah, we can. Absolutely. And so we like worked on that together and it was a really fun chance to be like, okay, like, well, what's, what is sexy about this specific relationship? And okay, maybe we make this other character have some backstory with you. And like, you know, each other already. And there's like some baggage there and like, we're working through it. Maybe there's some love hate and he's working with that with us. And so that like really creates great authentic content when you're working with someone who has, you know, their skin in the game a little bit. Right. I think working with ER Fightmaster was similar where they had like something that they wanted to tell too and like through to the story. And when we can work directly with like a celeb like that who is pushing the boundary forward of like modeling healthy sex relationship in their own lives, like how can we like working with them is like the most powerful, awesome thing. We absolutely love that the team dies in the Subscribers love it too. So it is just like yeah. the best stuff to do. Can confirm. Um, yeah. That, <laughs> Did you like, that's, yeah, that's one of my favorites. Oh my God. And yeah, story. he has an amazing voice. So it's like a no brainer that he would be in an audio. So so we're talking about two different oh, folks. So who, yeah. wait, who is Jackson, the second person? Very sexy. ER Fightmaster is uh, Dr. Kai Bartley on Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy. And also was oh. on Hulu Shrill. And they are just like so sexy. Oh, in wait, like hit, this. the friend on Trill? Oh, wait. Are we talking about the same person? I don't know. Google ER Fightmaster. You're going to be like, <laughs> you're going to Google and be like, we're going to see them and oh be like, oh, oh, I did potty. not know. This was not who I thought you were talking about. I thought you were oh. talking about her best friend who works with her, but you're talking oh, about oh, oh. the partner no, no, no. of her roommate. Correct. Okay, okay got, got it, got it, got lover. it. I love it. Love also, a sick ass name, ER Fightmaster. That's like the right. sickest name I've ever heard in my life. Um, yeah, like they are incredibly star. hot. They are, they <laughs> definitely hot. stole the show in Trill. So that makes a lot of sense. And they have like this really amazing voice too. But like, again, with that story, like Faye saying, they were like, hey, can we have this sex scene be only hands? Like, I don't want to have a dildo. I don't want to have a vibrator. Like, can I make this an ode to hands? And we were like, of course, like that's going to make this story so sexy because we like have something at the, at the heart that is like true and real. And we're going to build off that. And yeah, that's that's where the stories really get get that richness, that realness. Yeah, authenticity, I think that really comes through like in every in every performance there. Speaking of like hands and queer stories and, uh, you know, queer uh, sex, I think that like this is a really, really unique part of Dipsy, which is that not only do you have queer stories, queer voices, BIPOC voices, BDSM, consent, the clitoris, condoms embedded as part of the hookup and a personal favorite. for me. All the good stuff on Dipsy. Irish accents was the last thing I was going to say. How is your writing team kind of working, and your whole team, really, because it's not just writers. It's really, like you said, someone who has a mark on every part of this story. How are you working to make it so inclusive? Is that part of casting in addition to having those folks who are writers? Is it getting a certain team to kind of have this specific lens of inclusivity and diversity? Like, talk to me about, like, because I can't overstate this enough, like, this is critical to people understanding that these stories are worth hearing, that, you know, consent is sexy. I also, I'm like really gunning for like an STI story. I don't know if that Mm -hmm. is something that has been worked on or something that exists on the app, but like an honest conversation about an STI disclosure that may be followed by like a normal conversation that's followed by sex. Like how powerful would that be for people who mm-hmm. have STIs and to destigmatize STIs? Understanding that STIs doesn't inherently make you super horny, but I think that it's another part of, of sex, right? Is like really understanding how to know each other and understand each other's bodies and needs and requests and vulnerabilities. So that's like, yeah, it's something that, you know, I've been thinking about, but yeah, tell me how, how you work to make it so inclusive. Yeah. So there's like, I think there's two things that we're talking about in this part of the conversation. One is like, what are the things that we just like treat as principles for how we create? And so we have like a long, you know, we have a lot of documentation around and a lot of conversation around the things that are just like baseline expectations inside the Dipsyverse. 
And then, you know, how different stories shift that might be different based on characters. So if characters are in a long-term monogamous relationship, we treat safe sex differently than we treat a hookup. Like there, there are gradations that we, that we treat with care, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's like these principles that we abide by. And then ideas like your STI idea or like a story that might touch on someone having sex for the first time after they had a baby. Like what are the ways that we like make sure that there are these stories that speak to all sorts of experiences, even if there's not like a huge trove of that con- of that content in the app that we're like speaking to it. It's, represent- it's represented here. And then I think there's like the question of how are we really attending to inclusivity and diversity and across all these spectrums that you just mentioned. And that is such a labor of love across all the teams. That is the product team being like, hey, we need more of this. That is the, our data analyst saying, hey, I did some tracking on DEI and like we want ha- more representation on Latinx actors for the next two quarters. That is our team being like, hey, we're going to make a story about someone's first experience post-transition. And we want to work with a contributor that can shape this story for us based on their own authentic experience because we don't have that representation on our writing team. Great. That is like all sorts of ways that we make sure that that happens. That is creating really rigorous benchmarks for how many voice actors we have in our like, who do we call Rolodex that have all sorts of backgrounds they represent, you know, different ethnicities and races and, and accents. And so we can really say we have a whole Rolodex here of who to call to make sure that our library sounds like the diversity of the world around us. And that just doesn't just materialize. That's our producers doing a bang up active. job. Yes. A bang up active job of like sourcing people. Like we're not just like waiting for someone to call, which by the way they do. We have a huge inbound of voice actors. It's like amazing how many people reach out about it. But it's also being like, hey, I'm going to get on this listserv and I'm going to say, hey, active casting call for this um, group. So I think that that is just a lot of work that has come to fruition with an experience that is like, whoa, there's so much here. And uh, it's cool when people say it, notice it, love it. And just to know that a lot of teamwork went into making that true because it is a labor of love. Absolutely. I think that it sounds like Faye. You're like, yep, that that's correct. <laughs> that that <laughs> all that, that all tracks. All. Um, yeah, but no, Faye, I have a question good. for you now. I mean, Gina, if you want to answer, feel free. But Faye is the self-proclaimed data person, so I'm curious about the data analysis on the back end, right? Like, what trends are you seeing? What are people most into or least into, or what are the biggest surprises that have come up for you for your users? Totally. I think we hit on one of them, but I got to say that right now what's breaking charts is Irish accent, which is so kind of specific and hilarious and also like sweet and adorable to me. But, and I think that sometimes it feels like that, like, oh, people just like Irish accent, but it's always like one thing about all the data analysis we do at Gypsies, you have to kind of go one level deeper to understand the story you're talking about. It's like, is it Irish accents or is it Killian? Is it sexy pub owner, like enemies to lovers, like student traveling abroad? Like, could that work with another accent too? I think there's like right. so much that we learn from like, oh, you know, we have this like belief it's Irish accent. It makes another Irish accent story. And we're like, oh, actually, I think it was just that voice kind of killed. And I think that it kind of like speaks to some of like the art and science that we do at Dipsy around like we can look at, you know, high performing themes, actors, like storylines, series in the app environment. And we can try to sort of like make rules and principles to go off of. And we do, we like do our best to sort of guide the content team and provide a quantitative lens for performance of our content. But also it comes down to these little tiny things, I think, that make stories work and not work. Um, it's not just like adding Irish accents going to make it work. There's a lot more that goes into that character, that storyline that you love. Irish accent might be like table stakes, making it work, but it's in the creative vision, the team, like holding this character, making this a believable experience, having the female character, someone you can relate to, that kind of makes the story all fit besides just kind of like the facts might be able to read off. And so we do a lot of like content analysis like that, like looking at listens, we look at like how many of them are favorited or completed or re-listens, mm. kind of these like metrics of like people can't get enough for this. Or kind listen of story. to it and again then, and again and again, like that one chapter exactly. on that, you know, from the 12th grade yes. book on your nightstand. Exactly. Right. When we see that, we're like, all right, something, something good is going on here. But then a lot of time we have to sort of like what that is. You know, like what is it about this piece that people love? And that can that's a bit more of a, a guessing game in terms of the content side. So it's really a, a team effort. Um but we also have to talk to our users. Like I think we do like surveys ask them what they want to hear we talk to them we do like diary phase with them we sort of try to hear what they like about the content what works for them and that can be really inspiring as well and help actually put a human perspective on something that can just be a number 
And those kinds of pieces of data research can sometimes be like the most generative for the team. And if let's like our biggest, you know, unlocks and wins. Yeah. I wonder if there's like an opportunity for a social aspect here of like 3,000 people downloaded this today and 2,000 of them have listened to it again already of like, oh shit, like I'm really not alone and like loving this seemingly from my perspective, bizarre thing because it's so individualistic and and we are taught that it should be so private. But Gina, as you mentioned earlier, you know, this is something that we should and can talk about with our friends, maybe not with our family, that's maybe too far, but just kind of, you know, just like with people in our circles. And I do think this, I you know, this idea of maybe interacting with other folks about it, you know, similar to how with erotica, I've never read fanfic personally, but it seems like fanfic groups are like very involved like in each other and like, you know, reading each other's stuff and like chatting about it. And I think there's opportunity maybe for like a social aspect here. Totally. I think there's like this interesting balance that we strike on the product side. It kind of harkens back to what we talked about earlier, which is like, and it's, I don't know if we do it perfectly, but we try to think a lot about both celebrating the normalization of this content and but the content on our app is also that we think like obviously should be celebrated and enjoyed and experienced. And then also like weighing that against what it feels like to be like, oh, I lift this and so does everybody else. But also I like this and it's the least popular story on the app. You know, right. so you can't, once you get into this game of like, this is the most popular, this is so, like, then you create like both sides of that conversation for our users. Sure. And so like, and for our, ourselves and each other. And so we kind of have this approach of like, we celebrate wins, but we don't, a lot of like the experience in the app and Dipsy, I'm sure you know this as a user, is not necessarily like, oh, this story has three stars or four stars or five stars. It's like, it is what it is to you. There's right. not, you don't have to like, experience like that, especially erotic content, how good it is that like the average of people's response to it, it's like your response to it. That's what matters. And so that's a very good point. Our job, we don't think is to be like, hey, most people do or don't like the story if you want to start it. Sure. I think our job is to give everyone the information they need to figure out if they want to start listening to it. Right. And so what are the pieces that might drive that decision? Okay. Like it's her plus her or it's her plus him. Okay. It's romantic. Okay. It's flirty. Okay. It's um, second chance love. Okay. It's in public. Like those are all pieces that help people decide like, is this a five star story for me versus like, Oh, it's on average 4.2 is actually like, can have like this negative effect that is like totally unhelpful. Um, sure. and, and drags you down, you know, when you want to just keep the foot on the accelerator. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like don't, don't get too much into it. Like this is what you like and just keep on keeping on and keep on totally. finding more stuff like it. The algorithm will uh, you know, we'll share what what the it thinks that provides. you. Yeah, the algorithm <laughs> provides. That's right. We'll do our best. We'll yes. do our best. <laughs> this has been so wonderful. I'm so glad that we had this conversation. Um, you all are welcome back anytime to talk more about Dipsy and all the things that y'all are doing. But I have two quick questions left, which are, you know, what's like a one liner that you would say to like women and queer people who might be listening, who may just feel generally like porn isn't for them or hasn't been for them yet? Well, we don't get an hour together. You're saying we just get a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would say we're really hard on ourselves about sex, about how much we want, about how good at it we are, about what we like, about what we don't like. And we just all deserve to be easy on ourselves in finding things that work for us and living a life that works for us and believing that pleasure is something that we all get and deserve. Um, and everyone's path on that is going to be different. And I think we really like tire ourselves out being like, am I normal? Am I good enough? Do I want enough? And so I would really just say like, put those questions aside and just see, try it out. Okay. I think it's the case that so much content out there, whether it's porn or whether it's like Disney movies is made like with this male gaze inherent in the construction and assumption about the audience and that it is probably likely that a lot of the media you consume out there, whether it's porn or not, hasn't been made for you. But there are companies like us, but I think a lot of other really interesting players who are not applying, like, what does it mean to make content for you um, in porn and other spaces as well? So maybe get back in there. Take a look at some of these people who are kind of changing that narrative because it's probably the case that porn hasn't been for you, but maybe it could be. Love it. Finally, what is on the horizon for Dipsy? You kind of mentioned this a little bit on maybe what you're working on or what you're looking towards in the future. And where can folks find you and the app? You can find us at Dipsy, D-I-P-S-E-A, stories.com. 
you can get a full download of what we're all about and you can download us in the app store in the play store or the web app if you prefer that on the short term we're really excited to play with formats and styles like you mentioned fanfic we're really inspired by fanfic what's happening there is really cool and it feels very generational it's like a really cool peek into gen z too and so we're excited to be like okay what's working on fanfic that might be really cool on dipsy and so we released our first ever vampire series, the first time we've ever done non-realistic content. And I think it's pretty cool. And the reaction's been really positive. It's and crushing. next up, we're doing yeah. some... People love some, it. Yeah, data confirms it is working. <laughs> Can um, confirm. <laughs> and next up, we're doing some Regency era stuff, a la Bridgerton, minus some of the stuff that was more problematic about Bridgerton. So we're Just doing some of that. Just more the great stuff. stuff. Yep. Yep. Um, which we're really excited about. And then in the future, yeah, like we want to keep existing. So we get to keep serving more people. <laughs> so like download Dipsy because you're curious, download Dipsy because you believe it's important, download Dipsy because the future should include everyone. And we're really excited to get there in the future. Amazing. Thank you both so, so much for being on. This has been an absolute blast. Uh, listener, if I haven't convinced you yet, I don't know what will download <laughs> Dipsy. This is not an advertisement. I'm not getting paid by <laughs> Dipsy. Um, so yeah, thank you both for being on. It's It's been a, a pleasure. It was really, really fun. Thank you so much. Our creator, host, and executive producer is me, Danielle Bezalel, aka DB. Our co-producer and communications lead is Katherine Cohen. Our co-producer is Brian Peoples. Our social media intern is Sarah Kelly. Our music theme is by Hook Sounds. Thank you so much to our featured guests, partners, and our listeners. Want to advertise with us? Email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. For more sex ed content, follow us on IG at sexedwithdbpodcast and on TikTok at sexedwithdb. See you next time.